Hi, this is Sam Lischtek. I'm the owner of Absolute EHS, and I'm here today with Anne, who is just finishing up her isolation and quarantine period um, and was positive for COVID. Hi, Anne. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. So um, many of us have read stories about people who are positive for COVID, what that was like. Some people knew when they contracted it, and um, I'm really hoping to put a voice behind these stories. So let's begin at the beginning. Do you know when you contracted COVID or how? I have a really good idea. I should first say that the voice behind this story is a little raspy because although I am, it seems really virus free, I do happen to have mild asthma and it seems that having the virus triggered the asthma. So I might slow down a little bit while we're talking. Um, and my voice is not consistently 100% throughout the day, but I do have a lot to say. That's nothing new. We decided, I should actually start even before the beginning, which is that I live uh, in an area of New York City that was actually first hit in New York by the virus. My children's school, I think, was the first in the country to close. They went into quarantine. So we're well experienced in the uh, world of COVID and its side effects to the rest of society. So after having the kids at home, having our plans changed like almost everybody, we decided that as a family, we would pod with another family. And we spoke to friends of ours who don't live in New York. And we decided that we would move in together. Initially, we said for a month. Because while we were in the planning stages, we wanted to allow for potential quarantine beforehand, potential quarantine while we were together, and then quarantine when we separated as well, when we went back to our you know, individual lives and communities. As we got closer to the time, it became clear that we were only going to be together for two weeks. And we coming from New York were really concerned about bringing the virus into our friend's home. And we didn't quarantine. I don't use that term lightly. We were still going shopping, but we minimized our time out. We perhaps might have gone shopping three times in the week before leaving and we only went twice. We um, didn't use public transportation even though we were seeing an increase in, in passengers on public transit. Maybe I should say because we were seeing an increase, we were very careful. Our friends live in a hot spot. As late as two days before leaving, I said to my husband, maybe we just shouldn't go. Their numbers are going up. The state is going up, their county is not. I see that, I know, but I also know how fast these things can travel. New York City's doing okay right now. Our community is doing okay, maybe we shouldn't go. And my husband started giving me all of the statistics and the data. How likely are you at this age to get sick? How likely are you to be hospitalized? How likely are you to die if, and I said, it's not about me. 
it has never been about us. I'm not concerned that one of us will get sick. I'm concerned we'll go down there and we'll bring it back into our community. And that's what we've been working so hard to avoid. And we agreed. We were committed to quarantining when we returned, if that at all seemed necessary. Almost as soon as we got out of the car at our friend's home, we realized, and they had told us things were different there. The guidance was different. Their practices were different. We knew there was transparency. But we saw over the course of the first day how different their behaviors were. They were wearing masks almost every time they went to the grocery store. They weren't wearing masks around their friends, only their close friends, but they weren't wearing masks around their friends. And they were socially distancing across the table while eating a meal together. And I say those things because those are things we are not doing in our community in New York. Those are not behaviors that we're engaging in. We wear masks whenever we are interacting with or going to interact with people with whom we do not live. That includes my mother. That includes my children's best friends. Everyone, we all wear masks. So we knew, we began within that first day of being there, talking about quarantining when we came home to help keep our neighbors safe. But it didn't have to really be our decision because within a day of being there, the governor declared that state a hotspot. And we like to follow the rules so we knew we would be quarantining when we came home. We arrived on a Monday. I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday, Governor Cuomo made his, I think, second pronouncement about hotspots, which included our friend's state. By Friday morning, our friend who was hosting us was not feeling well. He already had a fever. He was lethargic. He was achy. And coming from where I come in New York City, I said to my friend, okay, so do we stay home now? Do we now quarantine? She said, no, why? No, you and I can go out. He'll stay home. I don't remember if he was tested on a Sunday or a Monday. The results came by Wednesday. We knew he was COVID positive. He isolated in his home, in his office. He had a nice suite, pull-out bed and a bathroom. We saw him here and there with a mask. We had already been exposed. We then extended our stay in our friend's home for an extra week so that we could complete a two-week quarantine there without leaving. We then drove 12, 14, maybe 16 hours straight home at the end of that quarantine and began quarantining in our home in New York City. Just at the end of our quarantine, I woke up in the middle of the night with a cough. Like, I would prefer to say I coughed in the middle of the night. It was very, very strange. I checked the bed for a fly. I, I went to the bathroom. 
I went back to bed. I coughed a couple more times that day before we left. I coughed again. I have mild asthma, and I know that asthma takes lots of different shapes. Um, mine is sometimes just, I, I can ignore it for a year or two, and sometimes there's like a tickle, like a tickly cough. It's not persistent. No one would look at me and say, are you okay? Do you have corona? It just happens every once in a while. And we were in a hot, humid spot. So I would maybe come in from outside, you know, the air conditioning, drink a little bit more. I didn't feel sick. I certainly didn't have a fever. For all of the temperature checks and all of the locations and all the places we want to go, I didn't have a fever. I work out a lot. So if I woke up with an achy shoulder or like both shoulders were achy, like maybe I did more push-ups the day before. That just happens. We came home in the middle of the night, Sunday. Monday, I woke up Monday and was thinking, like driving is so miserable. Driving so long is so miserable. And then Monday night, I was sitting at my dining room table and got very hot all of a sudden. And I took my temperature, not feeling sick necessarily, very hot. The cough had not gone away. My shoulders still hurt sporadically. And I was 100.6. So I left it. So I showed my husband. I left the dining room. I went right to my bedroom. I lay down in bed and took my temperature again, and the fever was gone. Then the next day, Tuesday, I didn't feel well. Now, I've been sick. I could have gotten up. I could have done the, done the shopping. I could have I lived my life. It would have been okay. We were in quarantine, so I only left to... I only left once I got a televisit appointment with, um, it is an urgent care provider nearby and they were screening for COVID. And the doctor on the screen said, you were in a hotspot, you were exposed, you have symptoms. Our tests are being picked up in one hour. Come in now. And I went in and I was tested and within 48 hours I received positive test results. And I had been staying away from my children the way I might if I were sick with anything, but I hadn't stayed in my room. I had spent a lot of time in my room. Um, I even was wearing a mask a little bit, but not the entire time. And part of my motivation to being tested was that if I was negative, I didn't want to redo the experience of quarantine that we had the first time around. The second time in a house with friends, that was fun. The first time it was really my children isolating. They didn't come out of their bedrooms except to go to the bathroom. I didn't hug or kiss them. And I was not willing to do that again if it wasn't necessary. So once I was free of whatever little ailment, I was going to go right back to momming. But if I was positive, I was going to lock myself in my room. And I did. So I isolated um, way past when they tell you you can come out. Because they tell you you can come out when you're 24 hours fever-free and an improvement in respiratory symptoms. But that fever that happened for just a few minutes, that happened two other times like that 
perhaps three, for just a few minutes. And then for another day or two, the temperature would bump up and down and I was still feeling sick. So I met the criterion of um, reduction, you know, no fever. And I wasn't taking antipyretics at that point. And I met the criterion of an improvement in respiratory symptoms, um, but I was still sick. And at one point, one morning I woke up and I could feel even in my forearms and I wasn't, I hadn't been that sick. I woke up and I felt, oh, now I no longer have a virus. Um, and I still, I still for about a day, perhaps even two days, if I spent time anywhere in the apartment and we were all still in quarantine, I wore a mask. Um, so it actually was, we were zooming into our synagogue services a couple of times because it was um, a holiday kind of fell in the middle of our quarantine. And so while I was sitting with my family zooming in because I felt like I could sit with them and zoom in, I still wore a mask because it was an extended period of time. Um, we had a family movie night and I wore a mask. I think part of it honestly felt like we had to wean back into feeling safe with each other. And part of it felt like, as a couple of the medical providers have said to me, it is still so novel. And I know what the protocols are, but am I harming my children by wearing a mask when I'm with them? Not right now, I'm not. I'll take it off soon enough. I'll kiss them again soon enough. And we ended our quarantine and it was, it is a little bit nerve wracking when you know that you're doing your best to keep other people safe and you're told you're okay, but it's almost kind of anecdotal. Um, so we all went out and then the kids actually refused to go out for another day or two. They, um, they just want to do their best really. And Right now we are, four of us are waiting for our test results back. It was not recommended that I get tested again, but I had to bring the kids in to get tested. And it would be helpful, I think, if only for peace of mind to know where we are. It might not, that might really be damaging. Um, my husband has tested negative twice since we got home. Uh, out of curiosity, how old are your kids? We had a lot of quarantine birthdays, and unlike what the rest of the world is talking about, we were actually in quarantine, unable to see anyone in person. Um, I now have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 11-year-old. They don't have little kids who need to sit on my lap all the time, and yet uh, when I blessed my children Friday night and gave my kids a kiss, the 15 year old said, oh, it's been a while since we've done, excuse me, been a while since we've done that. So you're, you're waiting for what we're hoping is a negative result, you and your whole family. Are you still, are you still locked up in your room and masks on in your common areas until you get that result? I waited. I tried really hard to do the math before you and I spoke, but I waited a considerable amount of time, perhaps even two or three days after I was allowed out of isolation to leave isolation, to leave my bedroom. Um, and even after I left, I still wore a mask, despite 
allegedly not needing to. So now we are all out of quarantine. We have been out of quarantine for three or four days. But all that means for us right now is that um, we take our recycling down. We live in an apartment building, so we weren't doing that when we were in quarantine. We take our recycling down. We check our mail. Um, I have been to the store. I'm pretty much the only one doing shopping, although we've also continued deliveries. Um, that's all it means right now. We're going outside. We went for a walk last night. We interacted with one cousin, but the way that looks right now is we went out to eat. We sat at one outdoor table on one side of the restaurant's outdoor seating, and she sat at another outdoor table on the other side of the restaurant's outdoor seating. Very and intimate. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure it, you know, it makes a difference for, because we were not even doing that for a significant period of time and we really need it. And um, we had masks on when we weren't eating. <laughs> we didn't do a lot of talking while we were eating. That's all, that's all it means right now to not be in quarantine. So uh, you mentioned you kind of knew that you, you, feel like you know you're virus free, but we were also talking about some lingering symptoms. Can you, can you tell me what, what you're still experiencing? So for me right now, I cannot consistently take a deep breath. Um, I do feel also like I have, I wanna say it's a little tickle, but it feels different than that little tickle we talk about when we know we have a cold coming on. Um, and I don't, there's no, achiness. I mean, I really, I remember the feeling in my forearms, you know, not realizing, not having felt that I was sick from head to toe, but waking up in the morning and all of a sudden feeling like, oh wait, now I'm not sick. And part of the reason I was so glad to have that feeling was that although I had met the criteria to leave my room, I had opted to not leave my room. I said to my husband, I'm not ready. It almost doesn't feel safe. I don't feel ready to leave. I'm not ready to end isolation. I said, I don't want to be taking advantage of everybody doing the dishes, but I'm really not ready to leave yet. Um, and I don't, so that's it. So we think, we hope what I'm dealing with right now is actually asthma that was triggered by having the virus. I personally experienced this once in my life where I had a sinus infection and a lingering cough. And I kind of complained, um, not even clinically, to my allergist. I think we were having a conversation, and I said, I can't get rid of the cough. And he said, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't know maybe what to do with you, but I happen to know you had asthma. And so I think we have to treat that. And so it seems that that's the same this time. As you can imagine, um, there are... It, it, Sometimes it's easy to get a doctor's appointment right now, and sometimes it's not. <laughs> so I was kind of bumped to the, to the head of the line, but that means I'm still waiting uh, to meet with a pulmonologist. I will say, um, although I haven't necessarily been sharing this widely because I don't want to scare people, but I do want to inform people. So I will tell you, Sam, that um, I didn't realize that blood clots, specifically in the lungs, are a concern. And so when I called my nurse practitioner after the first 
after completing two short rounds of steroids and taking an inhaler multiple times a day and saying the first round worked, but the second round didn't, and I still can't take a breath, and it, I'm back to where I started. And she said, you have to have a chest x-ray. And I had the chest x-ray, she said, and you also have to have blood work, and I'm gonna order a chest CT. And I thought, I walked into your office, and look at me, I look great. I don't need all this. I had the chest x-ray, of course it was clear. And then I called back the next day and I said, just checking, making sure it's clear, anything else I have to do? And the doctor said, um, yeah, you have to have a CT. I said, look, I don't really want one. And she said, it's not negotiable. <laughs> and then later on in the day, the office actually called back and said, your blood work came back and it was abnormal. We've marked your CT urgent you need to check for a pulmonary embolism. So the hospital knows it's urgent. You're fine to wait until the morning, but you have to keep your appointment. So I went in, at this point, a little bit panic-stricken because I hadn't had an improvement in being able to take a deep breath. And the CT was clear, and that's my, again, long-winded way of saying, you just have to give all the information to your medical providers. They'll tell you what you have to do. I guess you'll decide what you have to do once you're told what you have to do. Um, as I keep saying, I just work here. I'm just trying to do what I'm told. Um, so the next step is to check with a pulmonologist and just see, I'm hoping, just see if it's a matter of readjusting my asthma medication. Um, and also hoping that the results come back negative because, you know, we'd all feel better in my home. Yeah. <laughs> And you know, you you kind of joked about it, but this is an audio. Um, you look fantastic. Is, did you like? I mean, you don't even seem sick. And I, I know you're taking some pauses, um, but I honestly wouldn't know otherwise. Is this pretty much what it was like for the duration? It was pretty much what it was like. And there are times. Look, I might log off right now, Sam, and lie down. Right now, I'm feeling fine. I don't always know it's coming. I did go for a walk last night. It's the first time. I mean, I've gone shopping, but I live across the street from the store. I went for a walk last time, and I had to walk very slowly. And I am a very fast walker. But I, had, I did, on social media, continue to post photos because, A, it's scary, and people don't know a lot about COVID. They don't, um, although here in our community, we're saturated. We know people, you know, people who died from it, unfortunately. Um, but we have friends outside of the New York area who are totally unfamiliar <laughs> with the virus. Um, so A, I wanted people to, you know, no, I'm okay, don't worry. Because I, I know there were people losing sleep over me, don't worry. But also, I look great. You can't trust me. You can't trust someone who looks great. I'm great, and I look great, and I'm symptomatic. Can you imagine if I, can you imagine how great I'd look if I were asymptomatic, but can you, can you imagine, you know, the damage that I could, God forbid, do if I weren't wearing a mask, if I left my home, if I stood on the sidewalk with you and had a conversation and you and I are friends and we've quote unquote not been going anywhere, you know, what could I do? What if you lived with your elderly mom? What if, what if, what if, what if? So, um, I've really 
been trying to be transparent. At the same time, I have been saying a lot, I'm okay, and I am really worn out, but a lot of it is asthma, but that was triggered by COVID. Yeah, and we don't have enough information on COVID necessarily. We don't, and I keep giving long-winded answers to everyone so that they can hopefully have more information themselves. <laughs> so as somebody who, would we call this a mild or moderate case in your opinion? I don't know. I don't know. I have been calling it mild for some reason. I had to look something up last night. It actually, it might be that the asthma is moderate. I really don't know. Okay. I stayed at home the entire time. I was... Um, told to hurry into the doctor's office a few times, but then I was sent home. Um, I actually walked home from the doctor's office at least once because my husband couldn't make it down that, you know, I walked home, I, you know, it was okay. That's great. So for, you know, um, I, I joined the, uh, the COVID-19 Facebook, uh, the survivors group on Facebook, just to kind of see what we're working with here. And I see some people say that as soon as they tell everybody that they're sick, they want, you know, as much just, you know, Zoom calls or text messages or emails because it's lonely in isolation. And then I see the other half of the people saying, don't talk to me. I just want to sleep. You know, I, you know, I'm fine. I'll let you know if there's a problem. What in your experience, kind of which, which side of the coin were you on? I want to say both, but I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I'm an extrovert. I've been suffering from, really, like not even being funny, suffering from lack of um, interaction. Phone calls are hard for me. Phone calls are hard right now because there's a, you can't see, you know, your, your audience right now can't see my body language, but you can help me communicate if I am somehow um, inadequate in communicating something. Telephone is hard because there isn't that level of communication. And for that reason, telephone is actually always hard for me. I happened to have a birthday while I was in isolation. And I said to a couple of people, I don't want to belittle anybody else's COVID experience. Um, and I am definitely a little bit sick, but I got so much fabulous attention <laughs> on my birthday this year. Um, there were, you know, there are a couple of times where it feels like a lot to respond to people and people are totally nosy and I'm also nosy and I understand. And for people to be, you know, transparent, one person said, I said, are you afraid you're going to get it from me? Like we live five hours away. She's like, nope, just a morbid sense of curiosity. I can, I can respect that. Um, I think it's probably always best to err on the side of being over attentive. I said to my husband a day or two ago, one of his high school friends, with whom thanks to the gift of Facebook, I have something of a relationship right now, sent me a message and it was so easy because the onus wasn't on me. She said, I have nothing to say. I just wanted you to know I was thinking of you and I hope you're improving. I said, that's a real gift of communicating sincerity. That's it. She put herself out I could respond when I had the energy and I knew that someone cared. That's great. So the, uh, the question we didn't talk about is the friend in the hotspot area that you visited who uh, initially had the signs of COVID. How is he doing? So he's fine. Thank God. And the whole family seems okay. It really seems that just he and I got it. Um, he is a little bit taller than my husband who stands a good foot taller than I. 
And one of our cousins joked that, you know, maybe you're just so short, all the germs just fell right onto you. And honestly, at this point, I don't know, Sam, maybe there's some validity to that. I'm, I'm five feet tall. That whole, the whole house, honestly, only the little boys, only the 11 year olds and the eight year olds were shorter than I. My feet don't touch the ground in their chairs. It's possible all their germs just fell on top of me. I don't know. Well, as a fellow <laughs> short person, that's uh, something to think about. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad everybody's okay. Um, so, for the people listening, most likely because of morbid curiosity, um, what what do you want them to think about? What do you want them to know? The thing that seems the most important to me. And I'm glad you asked because in short of trolling Twitter feeds, I don't really know what to do about this. I think our guidance to wear a mask when we're in public is misleading. And as much as there's a problem with people who are refusing to wear masks, I wonder if an equally great problem is those of us who think we're okay in our little communities and are not wearing masks around our friends and family because we trust them, because we're hardly going anywhere, if there was clearer guidance that you have to wear a mask around anyone who's not in your permanent household, then I wonder if we'd be doing a better job of forget flattening the curve of, you know, trying to put an end to this. I will also say that there's a problem with colloquialisms and people saying, I've basically been quarantining. I haven't been going anywhere. I've hardly seen anyone. At this point, and even before that, I could see through that. I said to my husband, well, we know we can trust them. We know we can trust the family because we know what they've been doing. And I do still feel that way. They said, our friends are coming into our homes. Everybody's going into other people's homes. We knew that. And we knew when we came home, we wouldn't basically be quarantining. We would be locking the door because we know what happens. That's, that's good food for thought right there. Um, well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time and your story. And uh, yeah, we'll have this posted and up to share really soon. That's awesome. And good luck to you and everybody out there. <laughs> and I'm so glad you're feeling better. And uh, I'm really hoping for that negative test for you. Yeah, we're, uh, it, it's a problem that the testing is, is taking so long because I think, I, I know people are refusing to get tests because the results are coming back. So it's, it's taking a long time. Oh, speaking of refusal for testing, a lot of people are refusing because we've heard horror stories of how painful it is. All right, look, <laughs> look at I'm the a mom. is great. Okay, go on. <laughs> I'm a mom. Um, I'm a woman. I don't know. Is my threshold for pain just higher than everybody else's? Look, I know the entire world has not had a flu test. So I know that some people are unfamiliar with the process altogether. It is very similar to a flu test. 
it does. And people right now, if they're listening to this, some of them are jumping at the, they're, they're super eager to say I'm wrong. It is longer than a flu test. So to be graphic, the swab is inside your nasal, nasal cavity for longer. There's no needle involved. And it's to gather information and then it's over. I've at this point had three. I think the first time I may have some residual, may have had some residual um, sensation as I was leaving and walking on the sidewalk. I, nothing the other two times. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it afterwards the other two times. I'm not comfortable saying it's painful. It is super uncomfortable. And I will tell you this last time I had it at one of the, um, drive-through testing sites. So we were all in the car and my hand was on the steering. You can see it. Your, your listeners can't see it. My hand was on the steering wheel and I was shaking. And the nurse said in front of all my kids, are you nervous? Um, but then it was over. For people who have experienced uterine contractions, there is a time during which those don't end. Or you, you can't say, oh, that one was bad, but it was over, right? There's a period of time where that one lasts forever. This test does not last forever. So just go ahead and get tested. And just, if someone out there can fix the result time also, that'd be great. That would be good. And a final question, actually, you know, you mentioned that your fever kind of came and went. And so the kind of like the, the temperature screenings, it sounds like you don't think that they're necessarily the best indicator of if someone's positive. Did you ever lose your sense of smell or taste or have low ox uh, blood oxygen? One thing I should say is that I know this is novel and all the information needs to be taken into consideration. So I understand the temperature screening from that perspective. It is simply more information. And I will also say, is it possible I had a fever at other points during the day that I didn't know because I had that really odd experience? And by the way, part of the reason I got tested is that I know somebody else who had a low fever for a short period of time, multiple times, and she was COVID positive. And so that to me, when that I had 100.6 and I got into bed and it was gone, I said, okay, game over, calling for a test. Um, we purchased an oximeter when we were at our friend's house and he tested positive so that they would have one and we would have one. And um, my understanding is below 94 is something we need to draw attention to. I hit 94 a couple of times, but I'm kind of new at this. So I hit 94 once in the middle of the night lying down. So then I sat up and it got back up. Um, and I hit 94 while I was participating in a stretch meditation Zoom workshop because I thought, okay, I understand I'm not supposed to work out, but all I'm doing is stretching. And so then I didn't do that again. <laughs> um, and other than that, my O2, the levels have been okay. They've been fine. I was 99 a lot, a lot. Um, so again, really not 94, 95, never lost, thank God, I think, um, sense of smell or taste. 
I did have a, I will say a slight loss of appetite. I got hungry generally at every feeding time. I'm very well trained in my feeding times. I got hungry at all my feeding times, but then I was done eating very, very quickly. I will say I did a very proud of myself. I did a very, very good job of hydrating. Even when I thought I wanted maybe cough drops in the beginning was when I wasn't sure, you know, is it asthma? Is it, do I have a cough? Do, what is it? I would drink instead because I know that dehydration is a concern with COVID. So I drank a lot. I don't know if that curbed my appetite, but I was, um, I was between nine and 11 cups of water a day, which I guess isn't so much, but I'm kind of a little person. Um, I didn't have any GI problems, thank God. I really, I, I'm not even comfortable right now telling you I had a cough. <laughs> um, I did cough a few times, but I coughed a few times. It's more like I can't consistently take a deep breath. I had that fever and weird, you know, temperature markers a few times, three or four times. Um, and the fatigue that people talk about, I'm not sure that I experienced it like that, though I did have a couple of experiences where I texted my husband in the other room and I said, I'm just confessing, I think I'm just going to watch TV because I, I don't feel like I can do anything else. And I didn't even do that. I just kind of stared straight ahead for a little bit. Um, I did have some periods of wakefulness in the middle of the night, but A, because I was sleeping alone, I didn't worry about waking anybody else and B, I had, you know, all my devices and a good book. So I wasn't bothered by it. I got up, I read. When I was ready, I went back to sleep and I let myself sleep, you know, through the morning if necessary. I had some achiness just a couple of days. Um, I did have a headache. I think maybe two or three times and I don't get headaches. So that was, but again, mostly just in the morning. By the time I got up, took a shower, it was okay. I feel like I could talk to you all day about this. This is <laughs> fascinating. Um, but I, I, I do wanna let you rest. I know I promised you this would be short. <laughs> so I really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed for that negative result. Thanks. And th I, didn't, I didn't know there was a COVID-19 survivor group. I'm going to go look for that, see what other information I can grab. Yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty interesting group. I was very transparent when I joined saying, you know, I'm in safety and I'm doing podcasts to learn more. So can I, can I basically lurk? And they said it was okay. So that was nice. That was nice. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Take care, Sam. Let me know when it's up. All right.